The scripture reading for today comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the scripture reading. Thanks be to God. All right, welcome. Welcome to the church that is gathering together online. Uh, for those of you who are concerned about seasonal fashions, uh, there's a hot new accessory for global pandemics, and that is earthquakes. Uh, those are available to us in four flavors this fall. Pumpkin spice, rolling blackouts, contentious elections, or you can get it in a systemic injustice flavor as well. They're available while supplies last at participating locations, which happens to be all over California. In the middle of this, which I think is very timely, we are in the second week of an eight-week series that we're calling For One Another. And it's all about describing a community that loves itself or each other well. Uh, the key idea comes from John, John 13, or rather Jesus in John 13. And he says this, he says, you will know, other people will know outside the community, if you follow me, when they see you loving each other, by this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another, Jesus says. So in this series, what we want to do is we want to look at what God has already done and is doing. That's one. And we want to look at what God is developing in his people to become a loving, caring community, each for one another. Today, uh, we're talking all about initiation. The initiation of God towards us and then the initiation of ourselves towards other people. So I'm going to give you a one-sentence summary of the, all of the teaching of today. And here it is. A caring community is one which has enjoyed the initiation of God so much, so regularly, so normally, that it begins to be incorporated into how they do everything. Okay, so we tried this last week. And we'll do it again this week. But a little bit later, I'm going to pose a question to all of us that we unpack together. Uh, but I want you to have a little preview of that question so that you can think about it a little bit uh, while I do some brief teaching. And here's the question that we are going to have in the breakout ahead of us. Uh, what are the various personal factors that inform our resistance to moving toward one another? What are the various personal factors that inform our resistance to moving toward one another, uh, especially in our community. And if I were to even summarize that question, what's going on beneath the surface in our hearts when we discover resistance toward moving toward one another? All right, so l let's just have a brief time of teaching that will kind of be a foundation of where we're going. Uh, I think when you teach and you teach, you should always start with God. You don't want to start with your own feeling. You don't even want to start with your own experience. You want to start with the truth of God. So in, in the scriptures, we see overwhelmingly uh, that uh, initiation, assertion, and the towardness as an attribute uh, really 
it, it, it all starts with God. Okay, so just briefly, you know, number one, we kind of look at the beginning of creation. God is the first mover. He's the first uh, initiator. He is the aggressor when it comes to creation. It doesn't get sparked by need or loneliness. He just does it. He begins something. He creates something. He moves. But but we know it doesn't end there, right? He doesn't just get the creation going and then leave the room like like he's letting a lab experiment run its course. No. Um, so the second part is he initiates humanity. Um, he has, and in so doing that, he has attributes that uh, can be transferred. He has attributes that can't be transferred to humanity, but he has attributes that can be transferred, and he places his image on humanity. Now, if you want to know what separates, so, so if you even look at apes, apes are really close. They're, they're, they're the approximation. They're like, they're, they might be like us. It's so tantalizing to be like, how close can we, we see similarities? Um, but we know that the image of God placed on humans radically separates. Even if we were to see like dolphins smile and be playful or dogs be playful, we know, we know, oh, there, there is some chasm between me and even those other creatures. And we call that the image of God. All the attributes of God that can be transferred to humanity is called the image of God. And he initiates that, right? He does that. Uh, he initiates. He places his image on us, and then he moves to fellowship. He moves to communicate, walk with. Adam doesn't initiate that. Eve doesn't initiate that. He can't. Even in his non-brokenness there in the garden, um, he doesn't initiate that. Now, we know this tragedy all too well, right? The first family breaks up with God, and they feel innately. No one has to coach them, but they feel innately that they need to run. They need to go away from. They need to hide. They need to cover. Okay? Um, so then it leads us to this. God initiates even when we're broken up. In the brokenness. In the rupture of this world, uh, just suffering from both holy judgment and all hell breaking loose, he initiates. He moves toward. Um, do you remember what he says? Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where, where are you? Like that, that question is not for himself, right? It, it's for us. He's pursuing. He wants to know, do you know where you are? Do you know what you're doing? It's pursuit. It's initiation. It's moving towards. Okay, after the fall, um, in the middle of our new normal, which is like just standard brokenness. You wake up in the morning, brokenness. You go to sleep at night, in brokenness. He initiates this plan. And the plan is what? Our plan was to cover up the whole thing, right? Patch it up with externals, um, fig leaves, etc. And then he initiates right there in that brokenness. He initiates a plan and it's going to be the beginning of how everything is going to be put right. And he starts it and he moves it and he initiates it. The solution, right? The solution to the greatest problem we have ever, ever had that has made every other problem that you hate. And he starts and he initiates that promise there at the height of our brokenness. And so if you read the Old Testament, it's all of these fits and starts of 
um, little promising mini saviors, and then everyone's disappointment, disappointed with them. Now it's Joseph, it's Abraham, it's Moses, it's anybody. They they see possibility. It's Saul, it's David, they, they Solomon. Even they're like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the one to change and fix all the problems that we. Have. And no, 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 no. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Um, but but God is always initiating His plan. Now. Of all those other posers, of all those other fake redemptive kings and answers to the problem, Jesus is the real deal. And it's the real deal of that early promise in Genesis um, to spring us, to spring us from our own hell that was made from our own making. So Jesus is this ultimate picture of initiation of towardness, of moving towards. Uh, John 1, we had that brief little verse read for us. John 1, he became flesh. So he initiated, he's going to go towards, okay? He was sent from God. We know this from John 3, right? God sent his only son. Like, it's initiation. Um, he moved towards us, even though he knew what? The reception was going to be very murdery. <laughs> right? He initiated love. First John tells us that. Right? In this we know love. Not that we loved first, but God loved us first. We know that. Um, he descended and identified with us. So he, he'd rather be counted among sinners than to be viewed uh, as on the same level of his father. That's what Philippians 2 tells us. He thought the plan. He did the plan. He executed it. He applied the plan to us. He initiated. Um, he chose us. We did not choose him. He initiated. He initiated. Um, another one is after the resurrection. And he had promised this before, but after the resurrection, he didn't even um, let us wait it out alone. Uh, what he did is he initiated and sent a comforter, sent his spirit. He started that. He, he moves forward and toward. We we run, he moves, he pursues. So, why do we love that gorgeous story of the man who had two sons? It's typically called the prodigal son. Um, why do we love it? Um, yeah, the son runs away. And, and the prodigal thinks that he might be able to slink back and maybe sleep in his dad's barn. But his eyes meet what? The father sprinting toward. Moving with greater gusto, greater uh, enthusiasm, greater love than even himself. Uh, the prodigal, and prodigal just means excessive, like overboard, had, had no idea that his father was prodigious in his initiating, moving toward kind of love. Um, lastly, I'd say this, brief teaching about God is that at the end of days, God is going to initiate his coming again. It won't be triggered by climate change. It's not gonna be triggered by geopolitical leaders or earthquakes for that matter. It will start in his own wisdom in his own knowledge, in his own timeline, in his own pleasure, um, it's gonna—he's uh, gonna start and initiate and move to reclaim every molecule of his creation. Okay, that's a real brief 
incomplete teaching about God as initiator. God as initiator, first mover, first pursuer, first, almost like an aggressor in a way, the first starter. Okay, that's, that's brief teaching about God. All right, what about us? All right, so that's God, he initiates, what about us? We unnaturally, unnaturally run from and move from and go away. Now I say unnaturally because naturally we would respond well and move towards God after he had moved towards us. But because of the fall, because of sin, we are now, we're fig leafers, right? We avoid and we get away and, and we try to get away from all the stink and the ick and the, and the problems and the gunk and needy people. We flee from perpetual neediness, okay? Um, uh, we, can, we can help someone if it's a one-timer, Right? We, or, or we can help and we'll only do it again if the needy person responds with just enough gratitude. Or, 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 or if the needy person shows the proper trajectory towards maybe needing less, then we'll, we'll, we'll help again. But we run from perpetual neediness. We run from it. Um, we can't move towards things that potentially will suck us dry. Why? Because we think it will drain us. We think it will injure us. It will pull us. It will destroy me. So distance is often our solution um, to problem people. Distance is proper distance, safe distance, uh, appropriate me here, you there. That's good. Uh, we don't. We're runners. We're runners. Um, in college, I remember uh, there was this guy who, in my estimation, was just a pile of neediness. Uh, parenthetically, I did not see my own neediness. But he'd always come by uh, my dorm, and he was always looking to talk, see what's up, looking to connect, looking for some kindness. Uh, and, and, and eventually, this is what happened, is when I heard his voice down the hall... I would hide. All six, seven of me would hide. I'm not proud of that one. But I'm a runner. I was a runner from need. Moving away from need. Now, I, I, I'm not going to uh, let myself off the hook with long ago stories, right? Everyone tells long ago stories because because it makes you seem like but now I'm, I, I'm in a much better place and I'm victorious, right? And it makes me look good. So no one wants to tell an up close in time story. So here's one, I won't let myself off the hook. Let me give you one more that's more up to date. There's a guy in my neighborhood and he, he rings my doorbell almost every single day, COVID included. And he says, is Tim here? He says that to anyone who will answer the door. On 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 the best days, on the best days that I talk to him, uh, I pause and I ask him questions. And I go through this liturgy of the same questions with the same answers, the same jokes. And, and on most days, I, I view him as an inconvenience to what I have to get done. Uh, but 
I'm totally nice to him. I'm totally nice to him. It, it occurred to me this past week while I was working on this. I have rarely moved toward him. I rarely initiate kindness toward him. I, I'm not the only one. I know I'm in good company probably this morning. So, okay, in, in summary of, of scriptural teaching, broad scriptural teaching on this point, today's point, initiation, one is this, right? About God, he initiates over and over and over, and he doesn't stop initiating, and he doesn't stop pursuing. He, he doesn't stop asserting and uh, going toward. He doesn't stop that. Uh, in comparative contrast, number two, um, we are fig-leafing runners who avoid, who hide, who go away from. Um, we were social distancing way before it was necessary. Um, we're natural social distancers. I want to close this out here, um, and, and you actually may have gotten your fill of sermons like this. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, there's, a, there's a common approach for sermon after sermon after sermon you've heard. And it goes like this. Um, you know of the concept, so the concept is this. We know that initiation, moving toward one another, is a good thing for a caring community. And two, we also know that we stink at it and we're broken. We're not very good at it. And then, in a, in a sermon after sermon you've heard, I remind you that God is super good at it, and he wants you to get good at it. And so this is where I tell you, these are three things you can do this next week. And so one is, um, pick up the phone and call a friend, okay? Initiate. And then I, and then I say, and here's another idea. Is there someone you think might need a pick-me-up? Um, maybe order dinner for them. And then I give you a third idea. And I say, you know what? This next week, try to carve out some space in your schedule um, for someone you don't know very well. Okay? So so we know the idea. I know I'm not very good at it. I know God wants me to be better at it. And then I give you three ideas to try to practice. Okay. Those are all fine and good applications. But... I'd venture to guess you knew those three applications already. I don't think there was one person when I went through those three fake applications. I don't think there was one person who had an epiphany and said, I have never heard of the concept of picking up the phone and calling a friend. Thank you for that. Okay. Uh, this is what I want you to see. Do you see the strategy of moralistic preaching? God brushes his teeth. Now, don't you think you should try to brush your teeth a little bit more consistently? Hmm? That's moralistic preaching. The proposed fix for the problem comes across as you. Like what you have done or what you really need to do 
And you need to imitate God doing your very best to do so. And if you don't do that, then that's why we can't have a caring community. So don't blow it, chicos and chicas. Okay? The, the problem with that kind of preaching is that it doesn't change my motivation or your motivation, not one bit. See, we can have lame appearances like we care without really caring. So what gives real care? What gives the power to have real caring? Real heart motivation to do so? Um, this is quickly. It is not what you will do or have done that will make a caring community. It is what Jesus has already done. Now, let me show you how. Um, how, do you, how do we initiate the moving towards one another where it's legit and it comes from the heart? So, in my brokenness, I'm going to go through a few of these, is in my brokenness, I don't move toward others because simply I just care more about myself. Selfishness, right? My, my self-love is greater than my other people love. What is good news into this destructive cycle that will only think of myself? In this, we know love, not, 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 that, not that we loved him first, but that he first loved us. In my brokenness. Right? So there's another way. In my um, brokenness, um, all of my imagined needs have to be met before I could ever kind of move toward others and give it to them, spread it to other people. So I have this idea of scarcity. There's a limited amount of goodness and love, and I can't give that unless I have all of it. And I'm not getting all of it, and so I'm scra scrambling and scratching for it. Well, what do I need to know? You, you know, God has provided all you need, and you have all of the love of God through Jesus, His Son. All of it. Um, not only that is all of these things that I've been scratching and clawing to make me seem valuable, right? My money and my time. I already know this. I already know I'm valuable. How do I know I'm valuable? I can walk around and tell people, guess what? I am so valuable. A God died for me. A God! A real universal God died for me. That's, that's how valuable I am. Died for me. Me. A God died for me. In my brokenness, um, the reason why I might not move toward people is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid of their response. I'm afraid that I will be rejected or not liked by them. What do I need to hear? Oh, Jesus was rejected and cast out so that I would be accepted by the Father. I'm accepted by this God. 
I'm afraid. I'm afraid in my brokenness that I'm not going to move towards other people because because I'm going to be I'm not I'm not going to be viewed as intelligent or interesting or well 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 he was viewed as powerless and weak and uneducated and homeless so that I would have a home and I would be powerful and I would be called a son of the Most High. I don't move toward other people because I'm afraid that they won't understand me, know me, or even truly see me. Well, he was misunderstood so that I would be known. I am known and seen by his spirit in ways that I cannot even articulate and the spirit speaks for me. Well, I'm afraid I won't move towards other people because they actually might have an active potential hostility towards me. Like they might actively not like me. And, and then I hear this. Oh, did you know that in that while we were yet sinners, that's in that time, that's when Christ died for us in Romans 5.8. He wooed us and won me when I thrashed against him. And I hated him and I mocked him and I rebelled. And he just kept on moving toward. He wooed me and won me. I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to move towards others because I might be incorrect about something. I might be viewed as uh, making errors, not reading it right. And what what do I hear? Oh, he took my flaw. He took my incorrectness, my errors, and my sin, so that so that I have his goodness and rightness put over on me. You know, today you can think this. I want you to say this today. This is an interesting way to put it. Today, I want you to say this. Deep in my failure and my running away from God this next week, I am a saint. I'm a saint because of Christ's righteousness over my life in Him. I'm a saint. I want you to look at the darkest, dirtiest places you've been and say, I'm a saint because of Christ's righteousness. Now, um, on the other side of that coin, today, there's going to be some self-contented people. And you're going to think, I have really gone the extra mile. I have, I have been thoughtful. I've been careful. I've been extra sacrificial. And nobody is seeing how awesome I am. And nobody's saying thanks. You know what I want you to say? Today I am a saint. Not because of the me and all the extra. Today I'm a saint because of the he, Christ's rightness outside of me. Christ's rightness on my behalf. Now in my brokenness, I might not move towards other people um, because I might not be able to be the thing that they need. And I need to know this. My God supplies. His name is Providence. And it's in His hands and not mine. And He is responsible for His creation. I am not in an ultimate sense. In my brokenness, I might not move toward people or toward others because you know what it's going to do? I want to show people how unlike that other person I am. And so the distance 
reiterates what I think is true and that I might perhaps stand above them in some type of superior way. What does Philippians 2 tell us? What does John 1.14, the Word becoming flesh, tell us? What? No, I am not going to count equality with that superiority as God up here. Is I will be counted just like you, yet without sin. So, so where is the power to not act caring, but really be caring in our initiation? Well, you heard this before at the top of our time. A caring community is one which has enjoyed the initiation of God so much, so regularly, so normally, that it begins to be incorporated into how they do everything. They can't help it, in other words. One of the markers I've noticed, just big picture in macro macro for a large community of people, is, is that when people start snacking on God's free grace all the time, in a daily way, privately, in a weekly way, corporately, like it just becomes part of the, the air and the normal vibe and the conversation of the entire community and group, you know what happens? They gradually begin, uh, they gradually say this phrase less and less frequently. Hey, just let me know if you need anything, okay? Just let me know if you need anything. We're just we're just down the street. Um, they say this less frequently. Hey, just let our deacons know if you need any prayer or any assistance. Just let us know. Um, they say this less frequently. Hey, just come to me. Why don't you initiate? Hmm? Okay? Hmm? Um, no, 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 no. Over time, a community will just begin to start moving towards each other. They initiate the good without even waiting for the ask. How does that happen? Well, do you know why? Because the community got full. <laughs> They couldn't stop. They wouldn't stop snacking on God's initiating love to themselves, to their families, to their spouse. Like they were just snack, and 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 it would and it happened while they were running away at times, and it happened still to them when they didn't really show the proper gratitude, and it kept on happening to them when they didn't respond rightly. And eventually, and eventually, this is what had happened. The enjoyment of God's initiation began to spill and spread. That's what happened. They were eating God's free grace all of the time. I pray for this. I do. I pray for in me. I pray for our community. I pray for God's church. So maybe would you join me now as I pray for it as well? Jesus, um, we need we need to feed on your free grace you're initiating free grace all of the time
We need that fresh oxygen of you completing and you doing and you continuing to do and pursue. Jesus, fill us. Fill our hearts with it so that it does begin to spill. Spill to each other for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.